0: Heavenly Father, your word is truth, and it is perfect. But sometimes your word is hard for us to follow. Take up our cross, love our enemy, do good to those who would harm us, rejoice in suffering. These things go against our human nature. Lord, let us not be ruled by our sinful nature, but be guided by the righteousness of Christ, which has been imputed to us, and by the character of Jesus, which has been formed in us by the Holy Spirit. Help us to understand and to live in accordance with your holy word. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be right and pleasing in your sight, for you are surely our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Paul wrote in his second letter to Timothy that all scripture is God-breathed. The Bible truly is the Word of God written by the hand of men as they were influenced by the Holy Spirit. And as Lutheran Christians, we believe that the Bible is both incapable of error, it's infallible, or that it does not contain any error, that it is inerrant. And our confession of the complete truth and authority of the Bible is part of the certainty of faith that God gives us as a gift. And because we know that God's Word is absolutely true, infallible, and inerrant, there are many, many things that we know to be true and that we believe to be true because God has proclaimed them to us in His Holy Word. We know that God created the world and everything in it. We know that Moses parted the Red Sea. We know God gave His law through Moses. We know Jesus is the Son of God who healed the sick, raised the dead, fed the multitudes, walked on water, and calmed the storm. We know that he suffered, died and rose from the grave and that he will one day return to judge the living and the dead. We know we have eternal life in heaven because we have been clothed with Christ's righteousness. We believe these things by faith because they are given to us as part of God's word of truth. We also know from Scripture that every good thing is from above, and that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. And Paul laid out some of those good blessings that we receive from God in our epistle text for this morning. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in suffering. And it is right about there where our human nature kind of makes our minds go to that point of saying, Whoa! Wait a minute. Why is that? in there. Since when is suffering something that I should be rejoicing about? Perhaps I can accept it with good grace, but is it really a rejoicing thing? Rather than moan and groan, we are called to rejoice? We are to celebrate and exalt and cheer and delight? in our sufferings? Really? Whenever Betsy puts the word rejoice in one of the greeting cards that she makes, it is always followed by an exclamation mark. Maybe even several of them are going to follow after that word. Rejoicing in our sufferings can be a little hard to swallow. It doesn't really make sense to us. But it must be true. Because it's right there in God's infallible, inerrant word. As it was given by the Holy Spirit to the Apostle Paul. That word comes to us through a man who was well familiar with suffering. Paul wrote... In the second letter to the Christians in Corinth. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Yes, Paul knew about suffering. And that's just not exactly the life that we would imagine for such an obedient and faithful servant of God, is it? Where was the divine protection that we probably all think he should have received? Where was the peace? Where was the comfort? It doesn't appear to be there, does it? We could say Paul was the poster boy for a man who was suffering for his faith. Yet he rejoiced in suffering. He rejoiced in the hope of the glory of God. Jesus promised there would be suffering, but through that suffering we give glory to God. And on that last day in our resurrection, God will give glory to us. But remembering that promise of the future is not always so easy for us to do when we are living through all of the circumstances and the troubles and the sufferings of this life, is it? Now while we don't face the same kind of torture and pain and anguish that Paul faced, we do face any and all sufferings that come from being believers in this sinful world that is controlled by Satan. We might suffer persecution Or other adversity because of our faith. We might suffer because of the sacrifices that we make because we are Christians. And of course we will suffer those things which are just part of the normal sinful human condition. Sadness, pain, illness, loneliness, economic problems. These are all lousy things to go through. Anything that makes life difficult for us could be considered suffering and none of it, none of it makes us happy or gives us any cause for rejoicing. In fact it is those things that might tend to make us think why me? If God loves me, why is this happening to me? If you have ever felt that way, if you have ever thought that, you are not alone. In our Old Testament reading for this morning, we heard the people of God quarreling with and grumbling against Moses, saying, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? And Moses said, called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? That is a question that might easily come to our own minds when we face hard times and trials and sufferings. And through Moses, the Israelites learned that God was indeed among them. And through God's Word, you and I learn day after day, time after time, that God is indeed among us as we face sufferings in this life. God is with us. That is one of those certainties of Christianity. Matthew quotes, Isaiah's Messianic prophecy and goes on to explain that the name Emmanuel means God with us. Our uncertainty lies in why he would have us to rejoice in those times when we are going through difficulties. Why would God tell us to do something that seems so unnatural, so counterintuitive? maybe even impossible for us. We have to understand that rejoicing in this context does not mean smiling and being happy about whatever trials or sufferings we may be going through. It does not mean that we should not and cannot ask God to take that suffering away from us. Rather it means that we are glad that God is there in the midst of that suffering with us. And Paul tells us why. It is because God uses suffering in our lives to help build in us and to provide to us those things that he sees we need to have as his children. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character hope and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us God allows suffering in our lives in order to produce perseverance that quality of bearing up under adversity and whenever we suffer Where should we turn? We should draw closer to God. We turn to his word and to his sacraments where we find that promise of his forgiveness and love. Where we find that promise that he will always be with us. As God said through the prophet Jeremiah, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Perseverance is clinging to that faith of our baptism. Believing that God knows our circumstances and hears our prayer. Trusting that he will not forsake us but he will bring us through them. The idea is that when we are afflicted with trials and struggles When we suffer, our faith doesn't lose strength, rather it grows stronger. And Paul writes that perseverance, endurance produces character. This character is that Christ-like attitude that allows us to echo Jesus' words in any and all circumstances. Thy will be done. We tend to rely on ourselves. We tend to want to go our own way. But our Christian life is shaped as we endure those difficult times by putting ourselves into God's hands to make us who He would have us to be as His children. Just as metal is refined with fire, our character is formed and refined by trials and troubles and pressure. And as he brings us through them, God softens us. He takes out those impurities in us and replaces it with the pure righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he molds us into the likeness of his Son. Paul then says that hope flows out of character and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. Can God be serious about loving us when we are experiencing all of these difficulties and struggles and pain and pressure of life? in this world? God is absolutely serious about His love and about the things that we are going through and He is the only one that provides an honest answer to our trials and our troubles and our afflictions. The reality of God's love is based on the suffering of His Son our Lord Jesus. You see at just the right time when we were still powerless Christ died for the ungodly. This sacrifice of Jesus is a realistic foundation for our hope amid everything that we are experiencing in this life. Right after the text for this morning, Paul wrote, For if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life. This is not just appeasement. This is a total transformation of our relationship with God. And resting on Christ's accomplished work gives us the ability to face the realities of this earthly life because of the reality of our changed relationship with God. Our hope looks to Christ Jesus when we are weak and powerless. Our hope depends on God's grace regardless of any of the sufferings that we may face. That hope is real. That hope is a certainty of Christianity. Lent is perhaps both the most challenging and the rewarding season of the church here. Not just because it causes us to concentrate on Christ and Him crucified, but also because it causes us to confront some of the more difficult teachings in the Bible. One such teaching is that seeming paradox that we hear in our epistle text for today. Rejoice in suffering. A paradox is a statement that Seems contradictory, but nonetheless is true. Rejoicing in suffering seems to us to be foolish, impractical, if not downright impossible. But nothing could be more true for us as disciples of Christ. Paul wrote, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is that certainty of faith that we know because Christ died for us, nothing that we suffer can get in the way of or take away the peace that we now have with God. We are assured that God is walking with us every single step of the way, no matter what our sufferings may be. And we can rejoice in our sufferings, confident that all things work for the good of God's people, confident that through those sufferings, we will learn to lean ever more on the peace that comes from God through Christ Jesus. We can rejoice in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our trials and our struggles because we understand that suffering is not meaningless. In this season of Lent we follow in the footsteps of our Savior. Footsteps that led through suffering and death to a resurrection to glory. Christ's suffering produced peace. Our suffering produces hope. Hope in that complete and permanent life in heaven with Jesus Christ our Lord. And that hope does not disappoint. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.